It's time for Mercedes-Benz Giants Extra Point on the WFAN Giants Radio Network. Driven by the Hess Toy Truck, here's Lance Meadow. Mercedes-Benz Giants Extra Point is brought to you by American-made Peerless Boilers. Go to peerlessboilers.com for a dealer near you. NRG, the official energy provider of the New York Football Giants. Learn more at Pick. NRG.com and by PSENG, committed to providing safe, reliable energy now and in the future and brought to you by Mercedes-Benz, the official luxury vehicle of the New York Giants. Lance Meadow, Bob Papa with you as we are recapping the 22-7 win for Washington over the Giants to wrap up the 2021 season as the Giants finish up at 4-13, and 3-5 and here at MetLife Stadium. They have lost their last six to close out the season. Yes. I can't hear you, dude. I'm hearing a mic check. You can't hear me? All right, well, you'll eventually hear, hear me. I the, promise you. I hear you loud and clear. You don't yeah. hear the mic check? Not at all. Oh, okay. See, you're hearing things, Bob. I was getting the mic check from downstairs, well, if you will. Now it's all good, I hope. It's all good, Lance. All right, How there you, you go. I am doing all right, Bob. Well, the season is in the books, as I was mentioning, as the unfortunately close it up with a six-game losing streak. This was a game in which, obviously, the offense struggled once again. You look at the numbers, they're not pretty. 59 plays, which only yielded 177 yards. They had three turnovers, and I know it may be really putting things under the microscope, Bob, but in fairness, the turnover differential is what, to me, has defined the final stretch of the season. Putting the offensive struggles aside, you're talking about a team now that finishes with 16 turnovers to three takeaways in these final six games. That's minus 13. At one point, the Giants were plus five in turnover differential this season after the first 11 games of the year. Yeah, uh, well, it coincides with the quarterback being changed and sure. Mike Glennon as your backup quarterback and then uh, having Jake Fromm start a couple games for you. I'm not sure, you know, Fromm is a developing young player who came into the league and when the Giants were in need, they signed him off the practice squad. I'm not sure if he's, you know, an NFL caliber quarterback. And so that's what you're kind of playing with this season. So down the stretch and, and Glennon, um, you know, his struggles in his career speak for themselves by virtue of his record. Uh, so, yeah, turnovers, but, you know, it's it's a lack of any kind of offensive production that this football team has that <clears> – <throat> You know, it's it's missed throws, it's drop passes, it's poor blocking, it's design, it's everything. And four and thirteen is four and thirteen. Like there's no way to alibi around this. And there's going to be massive changes coming up with this organization, starting in the next day or so, as far as what they're going to do with uh, front office coaches, players. What's going to happen? Because Lance, it's five years in a row now with double digit losses. Uh, it's Five straight losing seasons for the first time since the dark era of the 70s. And, you know, this is like the 70s all over again because outside of the 2016 season, you know, the big-time losing began in 2013. So it's basically been, you know, eight of the nine years, it's been some big losing, big losing seasons and big numbers. And something has to change, and I would expect things to start changing pretty quickly. I want to read you two statistics that pretty much sum up exactly what you're talking about, bringing it back to the days of the 70s. This was the first time in consecutive seasons, Bob, that the Giants had an offensive player not surpass three receiving touchdowns since 1977 and 78. That's number one. And then number two is Kenny Galladay did not get a touchdown today. Kadarius Tony was inactive, and Evan Ingram had a chance to pass Tony for number two on the receiving yards list. He did it. So that means that this is the first time in the Super Bowl era since the 1974 Packers that a team has had its top two players in receiving yards, which is Galladay and Tony, each finish with no touchdowns. That's remarkable. Well, it's remarkably sad. Sure. It's remarkably sad that in this era where you see teams with players that are of lesser quality or skill level of a guy like Galladay or a guy like Evan Ingram or a guy like Kadarius Toney, it takes scheme ways to get guys points and guys score. I mean, the Giants' offensive production in the last two seasons, I gave this during the broadcast, they're last in points per game, yards per game, yards per play, and red zone. That's over a 33-game span. 
right? Because 16 and 17 is 33. Dead last in the NFL in all those categories. And they did something this year that I never, I didn't think was possible. They were outscored 79 to nothing in the last two minutes of the first half for the entire season. And they added a field goal to that today. Yeah, well, I'm counting that. Yeah. 79 to nothing. Only the 1972 Colts in a 14-game schedule didn't score any points in the last two minutes of the half. And you can't win that way when you're giving up a ton of points at the end of the first half. And it started right out of the gate in week one. It was a problem all season long as far as defensively giving up scores. But to never be able to answer and score yourself. um, And I think last week in Chicago, the confluence of events from the Logan Ryan dropped interception that led to a Bears field goal, then the misplay of the kickoff by Farrow Cooper that led to a safety, to the free kick and the drive that led to a field goal. The eight points in the last 61 seconds basically summed up the Giants' season in a nutshell. And it was a domino effect because one negative thing basically led to another negative thing, regardless of what facet of the team you're talking about. So the Giants, just to add on to this offensive theme that we're talking about, offense wound up scoring 21 points or less 14 times in 17 games this season, 20 or less 13 times. And then obviously the last few games, they have struggled to even get to 10 as they fall to Washington 22-7 to here at MetLife Stadium. We will step aside. We're going to hear from head coach Joe Judge. We're going to hear some player reaction. We'll get into big picture themes as well as we move along. But right now, let's pause 10 seconds for station identification here on the WFAN Giants Radio Network. Cam Thomas sinks the game winner, sending the Nets past the Spurs in overtime. Listen to Boomer and Geo tomorrow morning from 6 to 10, WFAN, WFAN FM, New York. Giants get their lone touchdown. Jake Fromm connecting with Darius Slayton. That accounted for their seven points. They fall to Washington 22-7. You know, coming into this weekend, when you want to look at it, I have the NFL stat pack in front of me. So... Through the first 16 weeks of the season, on average, teams' average point scored for the year through the first 16 games of the season was 365.2 per team. That's what the average team had through 16 games. The Giants coming into this game had 251. So they had 114 less points than the average in the NFL coming into this game. The average team coming into this game had scored 41.6 touchdowns this season. The Giants coming into this game scored 23. That's half of what the league average is. And it's hard to win in the sure. NFL. And and for the defensive shortcomings, and I know Carl talked about it down the stretch as far as you know the loss of Blake Martinez early in the season, and it really the Giants didn't have that tackling machine on the inside but that's not an excuse because other teams have players hurt you have to have other people that can step in and do a reasonable job in replacing one of your better players they may not be as good as your better player but it can't be this gigantic drop off and I thought listen the defense kind of hung in there you know um, but at some point when time of possession when yards when plays start piling up, and I'm not alibying for bad defensive plays during the course of the season, but what I'm saying is there becomes a cumulative effect when it's three and out, three and out, turnovers, just like last week is a perfect example. The Giants come out empty, Mike Glennon gets sacked, fumbles the football, and the defense's first snap is first and goal at your own two-yard line. Like you, These kind of things, are it, you can't overcome that. That's how they got into a 14-0 hole. So they lose to Washington 22-7. We'll step aside, come back, get head coach reaction and player reaction as we move forward here. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Mercedes-Benz Giants Extra Point on the WFAN Giants Radio Network. Driven by the Hess Toy Truck. And we welcome you back to Mercedes-Benz Giants Extra Point as the Giants fell to Washington 22-7 here at MetLife Stadium. The coach's press conference is brought to you by Mercedes-Benz, the official luxury vehicle of the New York Giants. Let's listen in to what head coach Joe Judge had to say. All right, guys. Well, look, obviously we didn't do enough to have success today on the field. you got to give credit to that team. Obviously they played better than they played when they had to. 
All right, there's some things that we could do in the game better, give us you know, a better chance. Look, ultimately, all right, it wasn't good enough. All right, I'm proud of the team for things they've done and fought through and stayed together as a team this year. Ultimately, it's not good enough. The fans deserve better. It doesn't meet our expectations as a program. It's not going to be acceptable. And the things we have to correct, we're going to start on immediately going forward in the future and the start of the next season. All right, that being said, I'll answer any questions you may have. How confident are you that you're going to be able to have the opportunity to go move forward? I'm not going to worry about these hypotheticals right now, Jordan. I appreciate it. I understand it's going to be the question of the day. I right, just understand it kind of files on my, you know, baseline answer of the hypotheticals. So, Can you can you explain the thought process behind those uh, two QB sneaks you guys ran? Yeah, so we were backed up. We had a shot on the play action to get the ball out in the flat. Okay, we got to make the throw and hit the guy right there. Eli was open there. Would have been a good shot coming off the, you know, the goal line there to get us some yardage and get some space. And then ultimately, look, we we're backed up. I wanted to get room. We we're going to push it on forward. I wasn't going to live through what happened last last week in Chicago. So we we're going to give ourselves room for the punt. We did that. We gave ourselves room for the punt. We protected it. We covered well. We played the field position situation I want to play. We held them on the next drive. And that's the way we want to go ahead and play that. Now, do we want to do that all the time we're backed up? No, but that was the situation of the day with where we were. And I want to make sure that, you know, the things that we had issues with last week in Chicago, that that was not going to repeat itself. Well, I'm having faith in your players. I mean, do you feel like that shows faith, though? Well, I think it shows faith in the fact that I knew we were going to cover the kick and then play defense right there. So in the situation of what it was, that's how I wanted to play right there, Dan. So. Joe, you said you're going to get to work immediately on, on fixing this stuff. What, what's at the top of the list then? There's a number of things, guys. There's a number of things. Obviously, we have to have better offensive production. Okay, so we'll go through, you know, the evaluation process and get into that. Um, there's a number, number of other things on the list as well. I'm not going to go through a full diagnosis. Um, I don't think it takes much thinking to go ahead and list the offense production as an obvious thing we've got to correct immediately around here. Coach, on the first possession, fourth and one, you ran a vertical play as opposed to going up the gut. Their linebacker came through unblocked. Was it just they made a good defensive play, or was there something that you thought you could see in the scheme? that There was something we saw on tape in terms of how those defensive ends have played in those situations, in terms of taking it and some success some other teams have had off similar plays with these guys. They made a better play. They got us right there. Um, you know, Obviously, we adjusted. We don't want to have that happen again. We started working more vertical. Coach, that Galladay vertical, what happened there? It looked like Fromm had him. Did Galladay misjudge that or something? Or what did you see on that vertical? That, From that what I saw, it was outside of his reach right there. I just looked at his outside of his reach right there, yeah. Joe, when, when do you expect to sit down with John Mara and have a conversation about the state of things and the typical end-of-season conversation? Well, it will definitely be this week. I'll keep that between us internally in terms of when something's scheduled. How Joe, far away or close do you think this team is to being a contender? Well, I made a statement last week, and when I talk to you guys, I'll tell you the truth. So I told you last week, I know that we're closer than we are further away. Okay, So I'll leave it at that right there. I know the targets are things we have to fix. We have to get moving in the right direction. I talked last week at length, okay, which I'm sure everybody here's, you know, listened to several times by now. All right, about you know the things that are going in the right direction of this program. We have to build on those things, and the things that we have to fix, we have to fix immediately. That's just the nature of what's going to be, guys. Joe, is, um, your team lost six straight games to end this. Is it, in some ways, a relief to end the season now and kind of move forward and try to build? You know, the funny thing about this is, you know, there's only one team every year, no matter what the results are, that has a happy ending to their season. That's just the reality of it. You know what I mean? And when you get to the stretch of the season, it's a long season, it's a grinding season. And you build relationships and you go through all the grind with a lot of players that you really build and support, you know, and really rely on each other, right? So at the end of anything like this, I don't think there's ever for any of the other 31 teams, you know, any feeling of relief to be done. I know for me personally, it doesn't matter what the situation is. Okay, you're playing last year, we're playing for a different situation. Uh, teams have been part of it in the past, and you're playing to keep advancing or, or get to the final, whatever it may be. You know, but this year is really no different. You know, mentally, you're always trying to stretch it out. You know, when you walk in every week, you're thinking, okay, this could be my last opportunity to coach a guy on a Wednesday, a Thursday, a Friday. You're trying to extend those things, trying to make sure you don't waste those opportunities. Personally, that's how I feel. So I've, I've felt in every postseason game I've ever played, Last year's finale, including this year, okay? You look at guys, there's a lot of guys you know that are not under contract. Right? There's a business element to this. You don't have a crystal ball, know exactly what the future holds. And you look at those guys that you know you obviously have strong ties to and bonds to, and you try to soak up every second you get with those guys. And you want to see them have success. You want to make sure that you do everything you can to give them an opportunity to get you know their, their hard work rewarded. Okay, that's a big part of it right there. But, you know, to me... You know, as I've been taught before, like, you know, hey, look, it's always a crash landing except for one team. Joe, 
Did today feel, was there any more pressure coaching today's game? Was it a more difficult game to coach given the stakes? Maybe your job, other jobs are on the line. Again, I don't get into all the hypotheticals. My focus all week was on Washington. My focus was on our players. I owe it to them. I owe it to the organization not to get distracted by outside noise. Okay, that's the reality of what it is. All right, you're in the National Football League. It's high stakes, guys. Every game's important. Every game's important. Okay, it's important to play the first game the same as the last game. We talk time about playing every play the same regardless of situation or circumstance. All right, we always take that approach. We take that attitude. I talk to you guys all the time. You guys always want to know what roller coaster we ride. But we don't do that. We we stay right here as an organization, as a team. All right, we came in every week, whether it was Monday or it was a, you know situation that came in on Wednesday. We get after the tape, and we keep it as what are the facts? What's on tape? What's the truth? What did we do well? We got to build on. What are things we have to improve on? And that's really our focus going forward right now. Look back at the season. What are things that we did well? What are things we can build on? What are things we have to improve on? And obviously you start with what you have to improve on. You narrow that down. You attack it with a plan of how you're going to make that better. Okay? You map out how you're going to go down the course of that action. And then you go ahead and you identify from what we're going to build on, how do we tie that into while we're adjusting things we have to make better. Um, late, late in the week, um, Ron Rivera said that he was upset by some of the things you said last week. You can talk to Ron about that right there, guys. You can talk to Ron about that. Okay, I've talked to Ron myself. We talked on the field. Like, look, uh, you can ask him about that. What did How you do you think about him on the field about that, Joe? What's that? Did you try to clarify it when you got no. on the field about No, I'll keep anything I said to Ron between me and Ron. That's the way I am with everybody. What have you learned after two years now being a head coach versus what you expected versus what this reality has turned into? Well, a whole lot, a whole lot. And this is probably a, you know, a better answer for a later time. You know, I can tell you, you know, last year, and I'm not going to go into diagnosis of everything, but last year there are a number of things that I learned of how to do on the job. Okay, there are a lot of things you learn you know, of how to go ahead and operate within it. You know, probably this year some of the things I learned, there's a lot more of what not to do, to be honest with you. All right? And some of it was you know, things that I was involved in or something that I've observed. But there are a lot of things this year that, you know, obviously the results aren't what we wanted. So while there's a number of things I learned of how to do it, there's also a number of things I've learned of that'll never happen again. Like there's a list of things that are just tattooed. You know, you touch that hot plate, you learn it's hot, right? You ain't gonna touch that thing again. So there's a number of things right there that, you know, I've got from this year that I absolutely understand that, you know, sometimes more valuable lesson is you learn what you can't do again or what you can't allow to happen again. Okay. So I file everything, okay? I file everything in terms of what I learn. Everything's an experience. Everything's a lesson. The important thing with whatever happens, any lesson you learn, is that you move forward with it and make the right decisions going forward with the information that you've gathered and learned. Joe, we, we, yeah, also, more, we more. also saw Dave taking pictures with his family. I think it's you know, not really a secret that it's probably going to change at GM. I mean, how does that impact you if there is a change at GM? Again, look, I'm not going to get any hypotheticals. I'll let Dave speak for Dave. Okay? I'll let Dave speak for Dave. Uh, on the, it was actually on this date two years ago where you were introduced as head coach and you kind of laid out your vision as to where you thought you guys were going to go. Do you feel two years later that you have to defend the progress that you guys have made or at least the progress that you see that you've made? In terms of like two years the date or anything, or I don't really get too sentimental about anything like that, but in terms of defending, uh, look, no. I'm not in the mode of defending anything. I'm more in the mode of just looking at you know what's the truth, what's the reality, and where are we at. You know, where do we have to, to get where we want to go, what do we have to improve on immediately? And that's really the mode I'm in. You know, sit on down, lay out the plan. You know, look, I'm the harshest self-critic I could be, okay? Before I get to anybody else, any player, any other coach, I always start with myself. What could I have done better? What am I not doing well enough that I have to adjust? I always start with that. And then I have to look externally of, okay, what else has to be adjusted? What else has to be fixed? So as we go through this process, we got to make sure we make all the necessary adjustments. And obviously, look, the fans deserve better than what we gave them this year. Our team deserves better than what we accomplished this year. I have much higher expectations as a team. I'm never going to compromise or negotiate on that. All right, my expectations are what they are. But as I said a number of times, I'm very proud of a lot of things our team has done through a lot of adversity this year. There's a lot of circumstances they've handled without blinking. I'm very proud of that. Okay? I'm very proud of that. Ultimately, it wasn't good enough. Okay? And my focus right now is already on next season immediately and changing everything we have to, making every necessary adjustment that we come out here next year and we play the type of football and have the exact results that we want to have as an organization. How much does that mean overhauling the offense? I'm not going to go into any specifics right now, Jordan, in terms of you know hypotheticals. I've already identified you know, the obvious critical first need would be to improve our offense production. wasn't good enough. Okay. All right, Coach. All right, guys. Hey, guys, appreciate you.
All right, so that was Giants head coach Joe Judge addressing the media following the Giants season finale as they fall to Washington 22-7. to We'll step aside. When we come back, we'll hear from some players as we move forward here to wrap up the 2021 campaign. And before we step aside, a reminder, Big Blue Kickoff Live is the Giants Daily Call-In Show on Giants.com every weekday at 12 p.m., all part of the Giants Podcast Network. The archives can be found on the Giants mobile app and on all popular podcast platforms. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Mercedes-Benz Giants Extra Point on the WFAN Giants Radio Network, driven by the Hess Toy Truck. This is Logan Ryan, and you're listening to Giants Football on the Fan, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. Welcome back to Mercedes-Benz Giants Extra Point. Lance Meadow, Bob Papa with you, recapping the Giants' season finale here at MetLife Stadium. They fall to Washington 22-7. Today's game breakdown is brought to you by your local Ford stores. Visit buyfordnow.com. Ford is the official vehicle of the New York Giants. For that, we'll run you through some team statistics, which certainly show disparities in favor of Washington. Total yardage, 325-177 to 177 in favor of the football team. On the ground, Washington had 226 rushing yards. The Giants just 94. So this is the second team to surpass 200 rushing yards against the Giants. The Eagles did it also, coincidentally, here at MetLife Stadium. Red zone efficiency, Washington was 1 for 3. Giants were 0 for 1. And then, of course, the turnovers. Minus 3 for the Giants. That means when it comes to the entire season, they turn the ball over 30 times. And they wound up taking the ball away 22. So a minus 8 turnover differential on the season. And they lost the turnover differential battle in each of their final six games. Speaking of takeaways, well, Logan Ryan helped the Giants do that in each of the first 11 games of the season. He also chatted with reporters. Let's listen in. Logan, how do you sum up this season right now? Uh, adversity, man. Tons of adversity this season for sure. I don't think it uh, met... Many people's expectations, not mine. Um, but I don't know. I haven't had a ton of, of time to recap it yet. I'm sure tomorrow or whenever we have another press conference, I'll have more thoughts on that. I really was focused on that game. But just a lot of adversity and, and see how we handled it. I'll see how we handle it going forward. And back in August, would you ever think you'd be sitting here in January, standing here in January 4 and 13? No, I don't think anyone thought that. Definitely was not the expectation. It didn't, didn't go our way. Um, for not getting it done for a lot of reasons. It didn't go our way. Obviously, in my career, I haven't been in this position before. I've spoke on that, um, and that's a good thing, but I, I'm learning the other side of it now. I'm learning the other side of the spectrum and try to get some um, some meaning in between. You know, I've been in Super Bowls years ago. Who cares? And then now being playing a game out of playoff contention, it's, it's different, and I think uh, – at least it gives me perspective on both sides of it, and I think a lot to learn from this season. Logan, I don't think you have much experience with this, but does this feel like a team where a coaching change could be made? Does this feel unsettling or unsettled to you right now, the situation of what's happening next here? I mean, the one thing I know about the league is there's always changes. Like, you know, I was, there's always changes. It's inevitable in this league that the roster's going to change. I mean, that was the last game we played together with those players, with those, with my teammates collectively so I can't I'm not going to speak on anything that I don't know about I don't know anything I don't think anyone can predict that but I know that there will be change because there's always change on roster and guys like that so it's always tough some guys played their last game in NFL today that's always tough nothing's guaranteed in this league so just grateful for the opportunity to take the field with these guys and didn't get the reward at all this year but there, some guys and most of the guys put in a lot of work this year and just unfortunately didn't go our way but that's just how it goes sometimes. What do you think as a defensive player when you see your offense uh, running QB sneaks from you know the from two three yard line third and eight? I mean you know second and nine third and eight. I mean the game's built on field position. At the end of the day, it's built on field position, and if they felt like they wanted space to punt, I mean that happens. And to to flip the field and play good defense, regardless however the offense is playing, um, it's just the margin of error for the defense goes up or down. How well the defense is playing gives the offense more margin of error. There's been teams. Um, that have won with dominant defense and mediocre offense, and we just weren't dominant enough to win that way this year. So obviously with the injuries that we've had on this team, uh, especially on offense, that they weren't going to be the highest scoring offense this year. When you lose your quarterback, you lose a lot of your skill players, you lose half your old line, you're not going to have that production that you might have predicted. But I saw the Jacksonville Jaguars carry their, carry their team to the AFC Championship. I've seen 
I've seen it happen. It's just you got to find a way to win. And I felt like we didn't find, we didn't get a good rhythm and find a good way to win um, fast enough this year. And obviously with everything going on, COVID and injuries and whatever they may be that everyone's dealing with around the league, we just didn't get our rhythm and didn't find our way to win soon enough in this year. Logan, you, guys, Logan, you cut the, the lead 12-7, and then they came down and scored on you. What did you see in their offense and what you guys wasn't able to do? Yeah, that was, that was the worst part of the day, in my opinion. Our offense gave us an opportunity to, to, to make it a game there. and um, Schematically, they just stretch and cut back on us. And I don't, I don't know, you know, until I watch the film, I don't know why or how or, or what it may have been. But I just think schematically they had some scheme runs that were able to stretch and, and cut back. Gibson's a good runner. And he was able just to stretch out our defense and cut back and get downhill. We don't want to have vertical seams in our, in our run defense. That's not what we're looking for. But until I watch the film, I'm not going to know why or how. I just think it was a schematic thing that they had some good plays called to, to run the ball. They didn't give us a lot of opportunities in the air the second half. Zay got his hands on the ball. Uh, we were able to get some sacks. I think they really just kept on the ground and played a field position game like we talked about in a way to close the game out. So we got to get a stop on that drive. And that's just, that's just why... You know, I'm up here not pointing fingers, not pointing blame. There's plays that we could have made on our side and make that a game going into the fourth quarter there. If Joe did get fired, what would you think of that? I'm not going to answer hypotheticals. When you ask me, you know, next season or whatever, but, I, I mean, if, I don't know. Last one. When he, 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 would it upset you if he got fired? What? Would it upset you? I mean, that's a non-answer. I mean, if your coach it's got fired. It's a hypothetical fired. question, yeah. so I don't know, you know. With your defense, you brought up a team like Jacksonville, right? They had, you know, off the top of my head, I can think of like three premium pass rushers, right, yeah. to get to the quarterback. In order for this defense to get where you want it to be, how much do you think that that's something that needs to be addressed? Um, I don't know. Aziz Ojolari has been, been a good addition to our team. I mean, we'll need Blake Martinez to be that. I mean, he's a huge piece of what we do. When you lose a player like Blake and Pep, our defense changes. Our defense changed. We have to run it differently, and that's just adjusting throughout. Tay Crowder had to step up this year. We kind of got a lot of other guys in that other linebacker position through addition. Jalen Smith's been here a month. You know, B-Mac's been here two months. Um, so Reggie Ragland's been our first year in our scheme. So in order to be that type of defense, you need your, your key players on the field. And unfortunately, when we had some of those injuries, it just changed what we had to do. And... Um, and we got to figure out a way faster to get on the same page so we could be a dominant defense. I do think we have personnel to be that. We're going to have some high pick in the draft or, or, or so, some high picks in the draft, obviously. And I do think that you can try to win that way. And all I can control is, is when I'm on the field, and that's predominantly on defense. So that's what I you know, care about. Thank you, guys. All right, so that was Logan Ryan speaking with the media following the Giants' 22-7 loss to Washington. He was asked about the run defense. Washington over 200 rushing yards today, eight runs of 10-plus yards, and then they had a 27-yard run as well as a 23-yarder. So that was a big point of emphasis for Washington. They had success. They were able to dictate the tone that way. We will certainly get into more from this contest as well as the season overall and areas that the Giants are going to have to address as the offseason begins for Big Blue. We will be back right after this. You're listening to Mercedes-Benz Giants Extra Point on the WFAN Giants Radio Network, driven by the Hess Toy Truck. Back throw, under pressure. Heineke gets sacked back at the 49-yard line. Lorenzo Carter. Lorenzo Carter got pressure on the quarterback and dropped Heineke for Carter's fifth sack of the season. And that was his fourth straight game with at least one sack to close out the season. It is today's play of the game. It's brought to you by your local Ford stores. Visit buyfordnow.com. Ford, the official vehicle of the New York Giants. As we welcome you back to Mercedes-Benz Giants Extra Point. Lance Meadow, Bob Papa, Jeff Fiegels joins us as well as we are recapping Washington's 22-7 victory over the Giants. We heard from Logan Ryan, and he talked about the offensive struggles and whether or not that put pressure on the defense and it got to the point guys it seemed as if down the stretch of the season we were talking about in order for the Giants to pull off a win or change momentum you needed essentially the defense not just take away the football but score a touchdown and the last six games Jeff they ended up with four games in which they had no takeaways and that's certainly not going to do anything in terms of changing field position for the offense. 
score points, first of all. we got to be able to move the ball to get in, in a position to score points. So um, the turnovers obviously hurt any team, and I think that this team has been a victim of that going now four games in a row. So, um, you know, you throw a pick six, you're down 3 nothing, and all of a sudden the next thing you know, it, there's, uh, it, the pick six can really turn the ball, ball game around because your offense doesn't have the ability to go down and score points. So I think the defense did a nice job in the first half, um, and, you know, going into the second half they kind of wore down a little bit. And that's what we talked about, Bob, earlier. And also the other thing that Logan Ryan brought up, and I think this piggybacks off of the point that you had mentioned off the top, there were notable injuries. There's no doubt about it. Blake Martinez, Jabril Peppers is the two guys that he referenced. But even with those injuries, still a little bit surprising that there were at times somewhat of a drop-off in terms of the consistency of the defense overall. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree. Uh, you, you can't – look – there's teams that win in the NFL and continue to win in the NFL that lose frontline players. Jeff, I mean, mm-hmm. you were on a team that lost Jeremy Shockey, who was one of the premier tight ends in the NFL. You still went on to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. You lost veteran corner in Sam Madison. You, I mean, you've got to have some – you have to have guys that could step in. You, depth. You've got to have better depth. Just like we talked about, and the how does that depth come from? It comes from the draft. It comes from you know you can't you can't rely on good signings and free agency to build your depth. It's just not going to ever going to work out. But you know, look and the listen the and the the problem that the Giants are in right now when we talk about all of this, Lance, it goes back to and we can go all the way back to 2011 and 12 and then 13 and 14. When you have missed so much in drafts and then you have to go and spend on free agency and you're constantly bringing in free agents because you're turning over your roster because you've missed on your draft picks, it just it doesn't work. I mean, it does not work. Yeah, there's no formula. And so now you're just grabbing guys off the street because the guys that you're drafting are just, you know, they're, they're not performing and they're, they're washing through their rookie contracts and they're moved out. And it's just you can't develop anything. Plus, you lose you lose the essence of what it is to be grown within an organization and within a system. And between the changes in coaches and general managers and everything else, it's just like it's you know there's no longer a what's a giant player. I don't know what a giant player is right now because there's been at several different coaching staffs and everything else that have, some players have come in get drafted different coach comes in that guy goes mm-hmm. and until you until you flatline it and then rebuild it that way um you're going to have this grab bag of you know I don't want to I don't want to say names that I'm signaling out people um but you just you can't just keep pulling guys off the street everywhere and then expect them to perform you got to have you got to have guys that you draft in your system, understand your system, understand what you're doing offensively, defensively, whatever the case may be, and you grow with them. And hopefully you draft properly so that then you supplement with free agents and not have to overhaul position groups with free agents because you drafted poorly at those position groups. Free agency should be the complementary method to what you build through the draft, which should be your core. Well, like just look at Xavier McKinney. Look at his he, as a second-round pick, you know, Will Hernandez on the offensive line was supposed to be what Xavier McKinney is on the defensive side of the ball, right? A, a guy that was projected first yeah. round, anchor. taken early in the second round, that is an anchor and is part of your future. You watch Xavier McKinney. He never takes a bad angle to the ball. His eyes, his brain, his football IQ – leads him to all the right places. He wound up having five interceptions this year. Probably could have had a couple more. Um, And it's all done with effortless motion. He's always in the right place at the right time. And remember, he missed a lot of his rookie season. Those are the kind of players that have to become New York Giant core players. Yep. And you got to be able to, uh, real quick, you know, managing your cap to be able to win those second round draft picks are only four year deal to be able to re-sign them and not let them go to another team and become Pro Bowls. And they have to warrant you to want them. Exactly. To well, that, and that's yeah. the other problem. I mean, let to just, you know, just look at facts. The Giants have just finished the worst five year stretch that they have ever had. Ever. 
Five straight double-digit loss seasons. You want to tell me that the Rams, you know, are up against the cap? Or you want to tell me that the Bucks that brought back every starter from winning the Super Bowl up against the cap? I get it. But to be in this situation with 10-plus losses five straight years and not have good cap space moving forward, that, you just can't have that. It just, you just you cannot be in that position. And that's where they are, and that's the hole they're going to have to dig out. And that's a product of when you don't get what you need out of the draft. You have to make up for it in free agency. Now, speaking of the draft, Lorenzo Carter, final year of his rookie contract. We mentioned four straight games with a sack. He also spoke with reporters. Take questions for Zoe. Zoe, you think about this as possibly your last game as a Giant, given going into the I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a possibility, seeing as it's my last game under contract. But, I mean, I've really just been thinking about the chances I've had with my teammates, uh, getting a chance to go out there one last time with this team, with my guys, and just compete and just fight. What has been uh, different for you these last four weeks? And you think you've had the best stretch of your career, at least if you look at the stats. Like, What, what do you think has been different for you? Uh, it's just been – I'm – Grown into my game, just grown into it, being comfortable, uh, being healthy, and just the coaches, we all working together, coming up with a game plan that works. Lorenzo, there hasn't been a lot of winning around here lately. Do you want to come back, or would you like to see what else is out there? Yeah, man, I, I love it here. I love it in New York. I love this organization. I've been blessed to be a part of a great organization like the Giants, and, I mean, I love to come back. My coach Judge, he got something going. I like what he's doing with it. And I'll just let the rest of that shake itself out in these next couple months. What was it like out there today with the stadium being so empty? Ah, uh, yeah, man, I don't worry about that stuff too much. I wasn't focused on the fans, the crowd. I'm not worried about any of that. I was the whole time I'm just focused on taking advantage of the opportunity, the one last opportunity I had with my brothers. So Joe had said that uh, a couple weeks ago that pending free agents like yourself, he didn't mention anyone. Have been coming to his office saying how badly they want to come back. Have you, have you done that? I'm not going to talk about conversations behind closed doors, of course, but I mean, I've talked to Coach Judge. We've had conversations, and not just me personally, but the guys in this team, the guys in this building and locker room. Um, we got a pretty good core. We got a group of guys that are competing no matter what, that are going to come to work every day and work hard. And I appreciate all my brothers for doing that. Lorenzo, you just said um, Coach Judge has something going here. Um, obviously, the team is not winning. What is going that makes you say that? Yeah, I've been a part of teams um, that haven't fought as hard as we do, haven't practiced as hard as we do every day. Um, we practice hard. We we fight for each other. Um, and Judge squeezes it out of us every day. He doesn't. It's not acceptable for us to come in and hang our heads we come in every day every week no matter what and we work hard and i appreciate that like that's that's what it takes to win and i know the results haven't been there but i think that we got the right guys in the locker room we got the right mindset when you make a decision what what's what's important as free agencies it being comfortable being having money or winning or what yeah of course i want to win um winning is the thing that everybody comes into the league wanting to do. I mean, of course, it's money and stuff involved since it's a business aspect. But for guys like me that just enjoy the game and just had that love for the game, that childhood love, it's about winning. And, yeah, it's been tough, but it takes work. And I know we're putting the work in. Lorenzo, you just listed a number of things that you think are, are in place to help this team succeed. What needs to change, obviously, to, to get them there? Because, you know, the status quo is just, just going to – Resulted more of the same. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure the guys upstairs that make decisions above my pay grade are work, worried about that, working on that right now as we speak. Um, my job is to focus on the defense, make sure we do everything we can to put ourselves in the best position to win. And I think we do that. We fight hard every play, no matter what. Each possession, we're coming out swinging. Last one. So, uh, you guys cut it 12 to 7, and then they came down and scored the touchdown. What did you see that they did differently in that drive versus what you were able to stop earlier on? 
twelve to seven. Um, I mean, it was just little adjustments, different things. Uh, I can't really recall exactly what happened, but you know, we gave up points. Anytime we give up points, we're not doing everything right. So we just gotta fix that. So that was Lorenzo Carter speaking with reporters following the Giants' 22-7 loss to Washington. Player player press conferences have been brought to you by MetLife, the official insurance company of the New York Giants. We will step aside. When we come back, we'll continue to break down the Giants' regular season finale. Also look ahead to the 2022 campaign and get you caught up with everything else happening around the NFL. Hang tight. We'll be back right after this. Third and seven. At the 22. Bomb in a shotgun set. Three receivers to his left. One in the slot right. Bomb back to throw. He's looking left the whole way. Deep ball into the end zone for a touchdown. Darius Slayton. That was today's scoring drive of the game brought to you by Investors Bank at the official New York Giants checking account only from Investors Bank. Visit InvestorsBank.com slash Giants for more details. As that was the lone touchdown for Big Blue, they fell to Washington 22-7 to finish up at 4-13 and overall, 3-5 and at MetLife Stadium. Six straight losses to end the 2021 campaign. We welcome you back to Mercedes-Benz Giants Extra Point. Lance Meadow, Bob Papa, Jeff Eagles with you. Today's stats are brought to you by Pepsi, the official soft drink of the New York Giants. Let's run you through those numbers. Jake Fromm, 15 of 31, 103 yards. The touchdown pass that you just heard to Darius Slayton. He was picked off twice and sacked three times. The Giants Power Report is brought to you by PSENG, committed to providing safe, reliable energy now and in the future. On the ground today, they ran the ball 25 times for 94 yards, just under 4 yards per carry. Jake Fromm was the leading rusher. Five scrambles for 53 yards. Saquon Barkley, 11 for 30. This coming just a week after he surpassed the century mark for the first time since Week 16, 2019. And the leading receiver was Darius Layden with two catches for 29 yards. Kyle Rudolph had the most receptions with four. On the defensive side of the ball, Tate Crowder led the way with 12 tackles, four solo, one for loss, and Lorenzo Carter, who is going to be the player of the game, brought to you by the members and contractors of local 825 operating engineers, ELEC 825, building our future. 10 tackles, six solo, a sack, a tackle for a loss, a pass defensed, and a quarterback hit. So... The 2018 third-round pick who tore his Achilles and missed the bulk of last season and had to deal with an ankle injury, trying to make a strong finish here and a strong case to perhaps earn a second contract. We'll certainly get more into that because the Giants not only have to make a decision on him, Will Hernandez, Jabril Peppers, plenty of other individuals will put under the microscope. We'll step aside when we come back. How about the playoff implications? A lot going on across the NFL. Who's going to the postseason? Who perhaps suffered heartbreak at the last second? We'll run you through that and more as we move along. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Mercedes-Benz Giants Extra Point on the WFAN Giants Radio Network. Driven by the Hess Toy Truck. This is Xavier McKinney, and you're listening to Giants Football on the Fan, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. Lance Meadow with you here. Let's take you through the Week 18 NFL scoreboard with plenty of playoff implications at stake. We'll start in the NFC. The Saints are leading the Falcons 7-3 in the second quarter. New Orleans wins. San Francisco loses. The Saints claim a wild card spot. The Rams right now are in front of the Niners, 3-0. That score also in the second quarter. The Rams still competing to secure the NFC West title. They could do that with a W, or if the Cardinals wind up losing, the Cardinals and the Seahawks are tied at 7. That score in the first quarter. Over on the AFC side, the Patriots and the Bills still battling for that AFC East title. Both teams, though, have already clinched playoff spots. The Bills lead the Jets 7 to nothing. For now, there is a touchdown being reviewed by Josh Allen to Stephon Diggs. So we'll see whether or not that is upheld. That score is in the first quarter. The Bills get the division with a win or a Patriots loss. And so far, New England cooperating from that standpoint. Miami is shutting out New England 14-0 late in the first quarter. Elsewhere, it is the Panthers leading the Buccaneers 7-zip, and the Cowboys are keeping close tabs on that because a Buccaneers loss could perhaps move them up 
in terms of seeding for the top four in the NFC. Everything else has gone final. The Bengals already wrapped up the AFC North. They lost to the Browns 21-16. Joe Burrow was a spectator in that one. Aaron Rodgers played for a little bit. He threw for a pair of touchdowns, but Packers fell to the Lions 37-30. Green Bay already wrapped up the number one seed in the NFC. Good news for the Giants, at least when it comes to draft selections. That's because the Bears fell to the Vikings 31-17. The Giants, of course, get Chicago's first round pick as part of the Justin Fields trade. A shocker in Jacksonville. The Colts fell to the Jaguars 26-11. So, with Indianapolis losing, had they won, they would have been in the playoffs. That opened the door for the Steelers. The Steelers, by the chinny-chin-chin, outlasted the Ravens in overtime 16-13. Well, wait, things are getting still very interesting. The Steelers would be in the playoffs, assuming that tonight's game between the Raiders and the Chargers does not end in a tie. If you needed a little bit more drama surrounding Sunday Night Football and the Titans top the Texans 28-25, Tennessee wraps up the number one seed in the AFC. Yes, that is a mouthful and that's why it was sponsored. It's the NFL in action. It was brought to you by Bigelow T. Grab a mug and tea proudly. As we welcome you back to Mercedes-Benz Giants Extra Point. Lance Meadow, Bob Papa, Jeff Fiegel's with you. Giants end the season on a six-game losing streak, 22-7, the final in favor of Washington. First time since 2011 that the Washington football team has pulled off a sweep of the Giants. And speaking of the dynamics of the division, the Cowboys went 6-0. and That was the first time since the Eagles went 6-0 in 2014. So it has been quite some time. It's been a roller coaster ride in this division in general. Yep. Another, new, uh, another new division winner for how many years in a row now, Lance? Well, it's is, been is going it, on since the Eagles won four in a row in the early 2000s. So that goes back to 04. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh... Hey, you want to hear another weird statistic? Sure, analogy? absolutely. Let's pile them up. Throw them out. <laughs> I mean, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a great statistical thing, but so it doesn't match what Jeff and I just threw out. Is that no, what Barkley saying? had thirty yards rushing today on eleven carries. Booker had eight carries for fourteen yards. They both finished with five hundred and ninety-three yards rushing. <laughs> on point. Wow. So they, so share, is they share the team lead. <laughs> well, you can't say that one outdid the other, right? So. Yeah, Booker averaged 4.1, Barkley averaged 3.7. So combined, they had 1,000 yards in rushing between the two guys. So, well, there you yeah. go. In a 12-game schedule, that would have been, some, that would some, have been really something good. good. And didn't it sound a little bit weird today, Bob, when you're talking about uh, Week 18? When you're mentioning Week 18, Week 18 to me always meant that Week 18 is I'm actually in the playoffs. Sure. Uh, and it's just a little bit it's strange, but it, it, it's a world we live in today. And uh, obviously, nice job, Lance rattling off those scores and playoff implications. I don't know how you keep, you know, you got a good study, I guess. Study well, well, I guess that's what happens when you cover the NFL from a big picture yeah, perspective, but certainly it. a lot going on. To bring it back, though, to the Giants before we bid goodbye to the network for the final time, some big decisions for the Giants, it goes without saying, but I want to focus on some of the personnel decisions that they're going to have to make because Lorenzo Carter is one player. Will Hernandez, who Bob referenced earlier, Jabril Peppers. What's in common with all of these players, Jeff, is all expiring rookie contracts. Now, Peppers wasn't drafted by the Giants, but yeah. his option was picked up after he was acquired from Cleveland. So he has an expiring contract. And the Giants have to determine, you know, it goes back to the idea of you want to be able to build a team with players that are relatively young. But Will Hernandez struggled this year, Carter's battling injuries. Is there enough substance there to say, hey, we want to bring these guys back, we want to give them another look? I, I honestly, you know, when you look at the cap situation for the Giants in 2022, you, know, you can't bring a lot of these guys back just because of the economics of it. And I feel like that, you know, the majority of attention that needs to be paid here is to that offense. And I think the offensive line in particular, you know, can the Giants make one splash in, in free agency and free up some money to be able to go and get one other offensive lineman that's a veteran and then maybe use a, one or two of those on the draft but you know there's not a lot of money to go around and we all know Lance that you can you can you can find money somehow in some way but in the long run it comes back to bite you some somehow in some way too so i think that the answer to that is difficult and i know that Lorenzo Carter has went out there and you got to you got to take your hat off to him because coming off of a, of an injury and then you could tell in his in his voice and he said this before Lance in his press conferences he's been asked this question is that you know how are you playing so well and he's basically i'm healthy 
And that goes for a lot of different, a lot of players if they're healthy and also the system and being comfortable with the, the game. And he said it before that I just feel a little bit more comfortable out there. So uh, he went out there, put, put, on, put what he did on tape, and now he's going to have a chance as a free agent that a lot of players like to get to um, and playing well and going into free agency. We'll see what happens. Now, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't think he's, I, you know, listen, I could be wrong, but I think based on his injury history and his limited production, he might be one of those guys that you're going to be able to get back on a relatively favorable deal. And you only have so many draft picks. You know, I would, if I can get a team-friendly deal with a guy like Lorenzo Carter, I would definitely bring him back. It would be like a Marcus Golden kind of situation. Yeah, you if, know? You, if you can get him on some, you know, if there's not a big market for him, uh, I would try to bring him back and see what's there. Sure. He could be part of a solution. Uh, I'm not sure about the offensive. I think it's time to move on. And that is going to be an area that they're certainly going to have to address. Hey, they'll have two high first-round picks, their own and Chicago's free agency. you got to be realistic, Jeff, yeah. as you pointed out. But there's going to be resources there in the draft yeah. to address an offensive line that, outside of Andrew Thomas, certainly leaves a lot of question marks entering 2022. Yeah, by the way, I mean, you have two offensive, you have two first-round draft picks, which doesn't mean you have to use them in the position that you're at. You could trade back to get a guy that you want to pick up some other capital. So it's just, a, that's a long ways away. But it's certainly something we can talk about. Now, before we bid goodbye to the network, we have a number of people that we want to thank who have helped contribute to keep us on the air all throughout the season. So let me run through all of them. Studio producer and board operations by the one and only Pete Hoffman. Studio technical operations, Bob Carl. Pre-game, post-game producer who has to put up with my high maintenance, Brian Monzo. Sideline and locker room producer, Griffin Ward and the legendary Dave Bedencourt, pregame engineer for home games, Steve Apria, our game engineers, this is some group, Chris Majikowski, Jack Maldonado, Mike Infantino, and Paul Schrager, statistician, Will Papa, you should recognize that name, spotter, Jim Stamos, director, corporate partnership and operations, Chris Robertson, vice president of corporate partnerships, Dan Lynch, the executive producer, Don Sperling, and last, well, maybe least, our producer, John Schmelt. Stick with us if you're listening to us on The Fan in New York. We're going to be right back with more post-game coverage, but it's time to say goodbye to the affiliates on our radio network and on the Giants' digital platforms. The final score once again, Washington 22, the Giants 7, as the Giants finish the season at 4-13. Thank you, everybody, for listening all season long to Giants football on the WFAN Giants radio network, driven by the Hestoy Truck.